0: Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. And during uh, Advent, what we're going to do is we're going to use some of the readings uh, from the lectionary. These are the official readings that lead up to Christmas that the church all over the world uses. And I think it's nice just to link in for once in a while with those uh, readings that we have. And that was uh, the reading that was set for today, um, which is Advent Sunday and officially the beginning of the church year. And if we needed a new year any year, this one surely is the one where we we want to turn the page and start again. In the church, we get to do it a month early. Um, It's not possible to stop the tide of circumstances that come our way. And, you know, to try to do so is to invite failure, as sure as one thing will follow another. But what the turning of the year does Help us with is resetting our minds and hearts to respond in ways that will help us experience a page being turned. Last week I mentioned that this year we seem to have had a harvest of anxiety. Uh, One thing after another is giving us uncertainty that does tend to breed an anxious disposition. And, you know, Advent is a true antidote to that. The lighting as we go through of these five candles gives us increasingly more light, symbolically, in the darkness that we're within. The darkness of winter, the darkness in our hearts, and, to some extent, the darkness in the world. And in lighting these candles, we shed different beams of light into that darkness. This week, that beam of light is the beam of hope. We look at the fact that throughout the generations, there's been a hope that's lit our darkness. The word Advent means in Latin, a coming, an approach, or an arrival. And this season tracks The coming of these lights into the darkness it leads up to the darkest day of the year the winter solstice on December the 22nd it's also the shortest day of the year and from that day onward the light begins to appear and we celebrate the coming of the light it's also a church season that looks forward to the coming of Christ at Christmas as well as the idea of the second coming the moment where all of consciousness becomes aware of the true nature of itself, that awakening moment. Those are the three hopes that are laid before us. The hope of the coming of Christmas, the hope of all things being made new as all consciousness becomes aware of the divine within itself, and also the hope of our own individual awakening into the endless stream of light that's eternal life. Those are the three hopes of Advent. All of which, I'm afraid, is a far cry from the stripped-down Thanksgiving that most of us have had, the political uncertainty, the pandemic still swirling around us with hospitals being overwhelmed, the financial uncertainty, and our economy generally suffering from all of that. Advent asks us to look up rather than down, to see that every generation has lived through dark and even darker times than our own, in many cases even worse, and that each successive generation has survived on the hope that is contained in Advent. The hope of Christmas, the hope that there is a divine nature that comes into the world with us and that we can rely on that divine nature. That is the hope of Christmas, that there is a divine nature that is going to come. And in the worlds of Junior and of Norwich, um, in the end, all will be well and all manner of things will be well. And to add to that, and if it's not well, then it's not the end. The hopefulness of Christmas is the hope that the divine order will enable us to move through our trials, if we could but rest our hopes within that. And that does take the humility that we spoke about last week. We have to come back to the idea that essentially life is not about us individually. And that when we get the opportunity to serve, we should just serve wherever we can. Our big plans, our ideas about how great we can be, our plans for the future are all false hopes that come from our minds rather than our hearts. And in essentially, they count for nothing. The real hope lies in our hearts with the peace that passes all understanding. And we have to continually bring ourselves back to that hope, to that peace that passes all understanding. When times are dark, the peace within is the sign of hope that can light our path out of trouble. But we have to be willing to access it, We have to be willing to practice being quiet, practice listening for direction, to look in that peace within us for the way ahead. The story of Christ's birth, the fact that there was no room for the divine in the busy world, but only the humble setting of the stables with the animals, the ecology, the environment all around, with both rich and poor together in the shape of the kings and the shepherds. All this speaks of the need to make room for the divine in our lives, to include everything within it, the environment, our wisdom, our poverty, our richness, If we do all of that, if we include all of that with humility, then the divine will appear in our lives just as the Christ child appeared in the stable. And we have to keep that hope alive. Christmas is not just for Christmas, it's for all year round. That light has to be tended in our meditation practice, in our study, in our care of the environment, in our inclusivity, in our search for wisdom. It's not a one-off. It's a continual process of keeping hope alive. And that's what we have to do individually and collectively during this time. Our job is to keep hope alive, to be here at the chapel the living embodiment of that hope for others, an encouragement and a witness to the existence of the divine. We all look at our purposes in life, and, you know, when I look at my life, when I sort of think, you know, what is my purpose? For me, I've always thought it's bearing witness to the existence of God. That's really what I think. If you cut me open, in England, we have something called rock, which you get the seaside, and it's got writing all the way through it. It's sort of candy cane. And if you cut me open, it was saying bearing witness to the existence of God. That's written all the way through me. And we all have to do that at this time, you know, to our family, to our friends, to our community. And we do that by the way that we live our lives. We do that by our bearing, by our attitude, by our calmness, by our kindness, by our unflappability, our willingness to serve. During this time of Advent, we carry this flame of hope to all those around in darkness. So that idea of the divine coming into our lives, Christmas, that's the first hope. And the second part of the hope is that all will end well, that we are all part of a a great unfolding that some call the second coming and others call the great awakening. And although it seems like we're suffering and it's all going backwards, in the scheme of things, in the 13.7 billion years that consciousness has been gradually evolving, this is all just a blink of an eye. Someone asked Ilya Delio, you know, why with Christianity being here, has things not improved? And she said, well, it's early days yet. It's just, you know, a couple of flips of a page this last 2000 years when you look at the whole of history you can see evolution from primitive man to where we are today and what we're all going through now is a part of evolution as were the two great wars as were the plagues as were the pandemic pandemics that previous generations have suffered It's all grist for the mill that's the history of the evolution of consciousness that is moving towards what T.R. de Chardin calls that omega point, some time in consciousness where everything becomes clear and we do not see through a glass darkly, but we see face to face. As it says in that reading that Bruce read, In those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give us light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Dark times. But beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. We have to be prepared for that moment to break through time. And give us our own moments of completion, our own Omega points that show us the way. Because that is the third hope of Advent that we will be awakened, we will be awakened and shown the way forward. That the mud will settle and our water will become clear and right action, as the Tao Te Ching says will arise by itself we have to be prepared for those moments when our hearts will suddenly be presented with a moment of clarity when we'll be able to see the wood for the trees and we will know what to do often that happens and you know we're not ready so we don't act. We miss that moment. We think, oh, I should have done that. I should have spoken at that moment. If only I'd had the presence of mind to say it. But this is saying that if you're ready for those moments of clarity, then you will be able to act. And no matter how lowly your view of your own state, then you will be able to make a difference to all those around you. No matter how lowly you feel you are, you that... In those moments of clarity, you will make a difference. Because as Einstein said, I never came upon any of my discoveries through the process of rational thinking. I never came to any of my discoveries through the process of rational thinking. He was ready. He was waiting for that moment of clarity. and When it came, boom, he was there to take it. He was ready and waiting for those ideas to come through. And this third hope of Advent is that we're ready and waiting for those ideas that will come through like the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. That's such a great image. That's the image of those those moments of clarity, an image of awakening, the Son of Man coming through clouds, the clouds of our mind in Great power and glory. The clouds part and we see how to act. But we have to be ready and waiting. Otherwise, we will miss the moment. The moment to give a word of advice to someone in trouble. To seize an opportunity that presents itself. To step into the light and accept a responsibility. To stand up for something important. The hope here is that if we seize these moments, they will make a difference. And the logic of Advent says that it will make a difference. Seen on our own, there seems to be nothing that we can do to affect anything. We're so small, we're so insignificant in the big universe that's around us. But seen in terms of this Advent logic, seen in the idea that there is a divine nature, first hope, that is latent in all things, and that there is an overarching plan and purpose in the evolution of consciousness, hope two, and that as a part of that, if we're ready, we see the clouds part and we will be told where to act, hope three, then we see ourselves as a part of that divine plan. And what we do can make a difference because we're acting as an expression of the divine nature rather than our own great ideas. That's the hope that Advent gives us. It's the hope that who we are matters, and what we do matters, and that we can have an effect on those around us. We can be the light in the darkness, both for our own lives and for the lives of those around us. That's the hope both for us individually, and corporately here for us as the chapel, that we can be that beacon on the hill. We can serve and lead away, even if we have our own darkness and our own troubles. We just have to be willing to take those steps that we need to take when the clouds part. I don't know what those steps will be, either for myself or, the, or for us, the chapel. But what Advent tells me is that there is hope that there is a divine nature, that there is a plan, and that there is a purpose. And that if we're ready and can see it, then we can make a difference. And this time of Advent is the perfect time to remind ourselves of all this and to start again. To recommit to our meditation practice, whatever spiritual practice that you have. To wake up to the fact that we can and do make a difference if we act in concert with the divine nature, that we are part of a plan, of an unfolding plan, and that we are always told what to do. That alone lights a lamp in our hearts that will shine out, both in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. So let's take this time to wake up to the power that's within us and our ability to have an effect on others. It's time to use this to turn a corner, both in our own lives and in in the lives of us here at the chapel. Thank you. Now, my next moment of clarity is to be the uh, microphone mover. So I shall, as the clouds have parted, I shall move this over here. Is that the right place for it? Good. There we are. So I, I always think that, you know, that theme of hope in Advent is such a great beginning of, of a year, the, the idea that suddenly you, know, you arrive at that moment of hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, what strikes me is that that hope isn't some happy thought and that we aspire to during Advent or any other time, but that there's this purposive intelligence about it that you were talking about, that it, there's a coherence about hope, that it's... Um, it's so robust and dependable, honorable that it it's, is written into the very um, fabric of the universe. And as, you, you know, as um, what's his name, Teilhard said, deep hope flows over deep time. And to live within that, within that context of hope is, you know, is amazing what we're talking about.
0: And it does remind us that actually it is our responsibility to be hopeful and to have the humility. To realise that we don't have to come up with those great plans that are ourselves, but to f- to have the humility to fall into our place, and to wait for those moments, and and just to be with the simplest of things, and to know that even those simplest of things is what does make a difference as we go through our lives. It may be just a, a word to someone in a grocery store, or to our partner, or whatever it is. Just that those little you know, the old Tears for Fears song, sowing the seeds of love. It is that. It's just those little seeds that we drop everywhere.
1: I mean, what I find so interesting about hope is the objectivity of it. Like, hope is it's real, and, it's, and yet there's a subjectivity about it. And as you're saying, like the, there's a sense in which we're invited to yield into that hope and to, to find that hope in, in our innermost ground, in our being, and to live into that ourselves. And, and it's within that, you know, the wellsprings of hope inside us that yeah. we really experience it.
0: And it's built into the, into the story, it's built into the nativity story with the, the Annunciation where the angel comes to Mary and says, you know, you will have a child. And that is a huge moment of hope, isn't it?
1: Yeah, are you going to read that bit to us?
0: I'm going to... I've got a little bit I was going to read. I thought I'd give you an opportunity if you want to say anything. But I've got this little bit here, Meister Eckhart, that really talks about Mary. says, Mary is the human being who has shown all of us how to be mothers of God. She knew how to let go and let be. And the idea of birthing that Christ within us is that, that first hope of Christmas. When the angel appeared to Our Lady... All that she and he said to each other would never have made her the mother of God. But as soon as she gave up her will, that humility, she became once the true mother of the eternal world and conceived God immediately. He became her son by nature. And Maestro goes on to say, what help is it to me that Mary is full of grace if I am not also full of grace? And what help is it to me that the Father gives birth to the Son in Mary unless I also give birth to Him? It is for this reason that God gives birth to His Son. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you, and if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, Subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.